Elisa culture, better known as snail farming, is an unconventional but potentially lucrative farming choice for any new farmer. This farming method can either be used for the cosmetics or food industry. And this week, we share a guide on how to get started. We connect with farmer and researcher Luke Metlerkamp, who introduces us to Yebo Farmer, a new ag tech platform offering small farmers across Mzanzi specialized advisory services covering all aspects of their farming businesses. We introduce a new segment this week called Agripreneur 101 to showcase the diversity of agriculture stretching across the agri value chain. Today, we meet Vusumuzi Mukwena, who owns a premium tea brand called Mavusana Rebos Tea. And on top of our reading list this week is Wanted, Dead and Alive, The Case of South Africa's Cattle by Gregory Ntembu Salter. Our farmer tip of the week comes from Binele Mutlaung, who turned a dumping site into a community garden in Sebokeng, Gauteng. This is Farmer's Inside Track. Supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey, I'm Zanzi, and welcome to episode 95 of Food from Zanzi's podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I am Dawn Numdu, the editor for audience and engagement at Food from Zanzi. And joining me is my co host, Duncan Masiwa. Hey Dawn, it's great to be back and I'm especially looking forward to our new segment called Agripreneur 101. But first, our colleague Nicole Ludov chats to Karl Ulofse, who's an environmental scientist and co-owner of Goshen Snail Farm. He joins us to share a guide to farming with his unconventional but potentially lucrative farming choice. Thank you so much, Dawn and Duncan. Now, Kyle, can you please tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into snail farming? I'm an environmental scientist and snail farmer based in Wilderness, Western Cape. Our organic snail farm is called Goshen Snail Farm and we have been operating for four years. As a family, we started to explore innovative ways of creating a new industry in South Africa as an attempt to enter and reposition ourselves into an existing supply chain. We did our due diligence on snail farming and it seemed to be the best option. It had not been done on a large scale or on a commercial scale in South Africa, which in itself possessed a series of challenges. We are currently co-owners of Garden Root Foods, which is a snail processing facility located in Mossel Bay and have a number of snail farmers who exclusively supply us with raw product. We still import the majority of products from Indonesia and we look to take over this market with our locally produced products. Which aspect of snail farming is your favorite? It is a go-slow farming practice and that you can do it until you're 80. Apart from crop cultivation, a snailery is noiseless and their droppings are odorless, which means that you can do this close to your living quarters. I also have an endless supply to a high nutritional protein source. What keeps me motivated and inspired are the endless opportunities that are presented by the five products which are derived from a complete farmed snail. The snail meat, the snail mucin, the snail shells, the snail eggs as white caviar, and the snail trimmings used as an animal feed supplement. Do you have any tips for aspiring snail farmers? You can ensure that you have a buyer or an offset agreement prior to embarking on a helicopter venture to ensure that you are equipped with as much knowledge as possible and to surround yourself with good support comprising of existing snail farmers. Ensure that all breeding stock is supplied with a veterinary certificate and a certificate of origin. Any aspiring snail farmers are welcome to contact us here at Goshen Snail Farm and we'll be happy to assist further. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you, Carl Ulofse. 
Carl is of course an environmental scientist and co-owner of Goshen Snail Farm, who knew that farming with snails could actually be a thing. We now change gears from farming to agritech. We connect with farmer and researcher Luke Metlekamp, who introduces us to Yebo Farmer, a new agtech platform offering small farmers across Mzanzi specialized advisory services covering all aspects of their farming businesses. Now, Luke, you're a farmer and a researcher. So how did you connect it with Agritech and what's your role at Yebo Farmer? I've spent the last decade, a little bit more, based between Stellenbosch University and Rhodes University, linking really between agriculture and education and youth in South Africa. So I spent a lot of time thinking about this. But I think more importantly in relation to Yebo Farmer is also that for the last three years, I've been in the process myself of setting up a small new farm about two and a half hours north of Cape Town. So I think in terms of my work and energy, really putting a lot of focus into the, the practical work and process of actually setting up my own farm and really having a passion for agriculture and the land and food in South Africa. So I think there's a lot of sides, but really linking between production, education and research, thinking a lot about localized food systems, thinking a lot about what it means to create exciting, energized livelihoods in the agricultural sector and really wanting to roll my sleeves up and get stuck in myself. Maybe you can tell us about how it works exactly. What is Yebo Farmer about? What does it do? And how can farmers get involved? So it was really all of these different angles that gave birth to the idea of Yebo Farmer. But most of all, it was my own experiences as a new farmer starting out and all the questions and challenges that I've come across and continue to come across setting up my own farm over the last three years and realizing how often it was that despite my PhD and background in research and quite extensive networks in the sector, how often I was still coming up to questions that I didn't know how to find answers to, I didn't know who to reach out to and spending a lot of time and energy trying to find the right people and the right answers to the questions I was facing as a farmer starting out. And I think what I wanted to do with Yerba Farmer was really take that experience and design something that would have answered a lot of the questions I was facing and continue to face. In many ways, it was my own journey that gave birth to this. But I think it was also a lot of thinking about how we as South Africans do agriculture and agricultural extension better and really wanting to see, I think, a, a vibrant local food system thrive in South Africa. I think it's a way that we can really create a lot of really energetic and meaningful livelihoods for a lot of South Africans, at the same time making our country healthier and happier. And that this idea of being connected to the land, the idea of feeding people, and the idea of running one's own business and working outdoors is just incredibly exciting and inspiring to me. And I think farmers, particularly those who are smaller, starting out, not having long family histories and things behind them in agriculture, we need to think about how we support them better and how we bring all the knowledge and expertise we can and put it at their disposal to make a real success. The Department of Rural Development, Agriculture and Land Reform also says that it wants to enroll an additional, additional 10,000 extension workers in order to bring the extension worker to farmer ratio in South Africa up to a workable level. So the question of where we find another 10,000 extension workers is a really big question, not to mention how we build that capacity and how we finance and fund an additional 10,000 extension workers across South Africa. But, you know, they said this is where we need to be, and I, and I think many would agree. I think the challenge is how we get there. I think it's going to require a lot of really creative problem solving to get it right. And I'd really hope that in a small way, Yebo Farmer can become part of that solution that South Africa so desperately needs.
as a platform and as a tech kind of an ag tech solution, I, I really see it as a way of, of bringing a lot of different parties to the table in a transparent, cost-effective, and really accountable way. It's a way of putting real power in the hands of farmers when it comes to selecting and evaluating the extension workers and agricultural trainers that support them. It's about bringing in people who might not otherwise be able to connect to small farmers, people who might have retired. There's a huge kind of, I think, pools of skills and knowledge that are sitting there kind of beyond our fingertips so often. It's a case of A, being able to find them quickly and easily when you need them and having a system and a structure around that to support you to access those knowledge and skills as a farmer. But I think it's also about designing a platform that's able to pool in the resources necessary to pay an extension service and an agricultural training service like this. I think what I'd really like Yobo Farmer to become and how we've tried to design it is also a way for different parties to come to the table in terms of funding this. It's a way for farmers to load credit onto their own accounts to procure services from advisors and mentors and experts of all different kinds. But it's also a way that government and the private sector can also come to the party to also kind of pool funds into a kind of bigger basket of funding that farmers can then draw on to source the support and advice and services that they need as and when they need them as they grow their farms and their businesses and they progress along their, their farming journeys. So we kind of set ourselves when we started out with this was to develop a system that really delivered high quality support to farmers in a way that was on demand and timeous. It's no good sitting with a pest outbreak or a disease problem on your farm and needing to wait, you know, weeks before you, you get someone out to your farm who can help you, you know, identify and develop a plan on addressing it. You need an answer there and then. And I think we're really trying to develop something that is responsive to the urgency so often with agriculture. So we wanted to create something that was high quality on demand, but we also wanted to do it in a way that was at least half the cost of what it costs the taxpayer currently, the cost of an extension visit to the taxpayer. We really wanted to say, can we do this at half that cost or less? And I think the model that we're developing says that, yes, we can do that. And then tell us about the experts on the Yebo Farmer platform. What type of assistance can they provide farmers? Perhaps you could highlight some of the issues or problems that Yebo Farmers typically deals with? I think generally in agriculture, and particularly when it comes to more localized, entrepreneurial, small-scale dynamic forms of farming, that we as a society tend to grossly underestimate how difficult this is. And I think that these kind of new wave of agripreneurs that are, that are coming out across South Africa require an exceptionally diverse skill set. And I think we often don't give credit to just how skilled farmers are and the, the kind of the entrepreneurs that survive in the agricultural sector are. It requires, you know, deep technical knowledge of the crop or livestock you're producing. You've also got to really have an understanding of, kind of complex soil ecosystems that, that are underpinning a lot of that, the chemistry, the biology. You've got to have an ability to plan and manage long-term risk in the face of quite radical climate uncertainty and kind of think about financial decisions in that context. You've also got to be a good marketer. You've got to be a hustler. You've got to be able to take your produce and you've got to take it to market. You've got to get good prices. So there's the salesman in that. You're very often also managing personnel. You're managing staff and having to keep people motivated. You're having to work as an HR manager. And then beyond all of this, there's the kind of just grit and fuss bait that it requires to start a small business in South Africa. So there's just this very diverse set of skills you require. And, and nobody has all the answers that a farmer needs. And the, the kind of knowledge challenges that a farmer is facing this year is likely to be very different to the challenges that the same farmer faces next year. So in terms of the platform we've designed, we've really tried to design it more as a network 
and this idea that one's experience and abilities it's relational so you you're almost as skilled as the people you have to draw on and the kind of wider pool of expertise that we can put within reach of farmers effectively the more skilled that farmer becomes and the faster they can learn the quicker they can adapt so the advisors on the platform seek to mirror this so we've got people who've got deep technical expertise and knowledge in crops and crop production identifying you know different pests and disease and helping farmers you know develop sustainable solutions to those you know people who can support farmers to take and analyze soil samples but at the same time we've also got different mentors and advisors on the platform that can support with developing marketing strategies life coaches who can you know work and walk alongside farmers as they through their own personal journey and growth and the challenges that they face the doubt the uncertainty the excitement and how you kind of manage your own entrepreneurial journey. So these kind of life coaches and mentors that can walk alongside farmers with that at the same time as having all this technical expertise on the real production side. It's diverse and it's a menu of options that are there for the farmer to turn to as and when they need. It's also one place that they can come to. So it's not, there's a single point you can come to as a farmer and meet all of your needs rather than having to try and find and manage different relationships with a lot of different providers. And it's, it's a way of helping people, I think, to solve a wide variety of problems as they come up on the, on the job. So it's really about learning through problem solving, not learning in a classroom. And I think in this sense that we're really about combining an agricultural college, but a very personalized agricultural college with a, a one-on-one extension service and a social network. So it's these three things that I think mix and we've tried to bring together into a single platform. Now, this platform is obviously created or aimed at servicing vegetable and crop farmers. Will the service ever expand to also include small livestock farmers? Yes, I think we're very much orientated towards plant production at the moment, but that we do also have some advisors who are able to support on the poultry and livestock side, and that this is definitely also a section we're looking to grow in terms of bringing vets onto the platform that can provide both in-person and remote veterinary services to farmers as they need them, people who are really experienced in pasture management, etc. So. It's really about becoming something which serves all farmers and not just those interested in plant production. And then I would also say that I think a lot of the the entrepreneurial and planning and marketing sides, which is a big focus of the Yevo Farmer platform, are as relevant to a a livestock or a poultry farmer as they are to a a plant, you know, vegetable or a a fruit farmer. And then finally, is the Yevo Farmer app available on Play Store and the App Store? People, I think, often expect apps to be available through the Google or Apple app stores. But both of these platforms take really big cuts on all payments and transactions that are processed through their platforms. So one of the ways that we're really trying to keep costs down is staying off these large service providers that take very big cuts and then passing these savings on to farmers. So we've developed Yobo Pharma as a web app, which means that effectively we're a website designed like an app. This also means that in addition to saving a lot of costs on commissions to Apple and Google, It also avoids the need to kind of continuously do quite irritating updates on apps. Go to the website, which you can find at www.yebofarma.app and open the website and then follow the prompts to save the link to your mobile phone desktop. This will then show up just like all your other apps do and you're good to go. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring, and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. 
go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story. Be sure to read more about Yebo Farmers and all the exciting opportunities for new farmers on Food from Zanzi. And of course, a big thanks to farmer and researcher Luke for joining us. We now introduce a new segment this week called Agripreneur 101 to showcase the diversity of agriculture stretching across the agri-value chain. Now today we meet Vusumzi Mukwena who owns a premium tea brand called Mavusana Rebosti. Now Vusumzi, can you please tell us about yourself and what it is about being an entrepreneur in the tea business that you enjoy the most? I was born and raised here in Kayamandi. That's where I spent all my life in Stellenbosch. I've been here for as long as I can remember. And then I grew up here. I studied here. I did everything here. I'm currently based in Stellenbosch. And the tea business that I enjoy the most is how I actually interact with my people you know the people who are on the ground that's the most exciting part for me so how did you get involved with cape natural tea and what is it that you look for when you select the tea for your brand i was doing a research of like different teas it was just a task and then i did this research and then i got to identify that wait there is a premium rooibos and which is made from a certain fine boss rooibos plant and it got certain sticks it got certain wood in it by wood i mean the blocks in the tea bag and i just fell in love with its aroma with this strongness with its unique taste in the mouth the benefits of a premium rooibos so after tasting quite a few of them i decided that hey this is what i want for my own brand and then it came to life they just simply went to their production processes and it's usually a robust that they export to Japan. So they decided, okay, we'll give you a certain part of it. And that's how Mavusana Premium Robust was born. What are your five tips or pieces of advice for someone who may want to start their own tea brand? Firstly, know your tea. Like you must know your tea that's given. Secondly, understand the market of your brand, which is tea at this level. You must understand the market in which you are giving the people your tea to. So I give my premium robots to the average low-income South Africans, and I'm giving them an affordable price, but a very premium product. So understanding your market is the key. And then the third one is marketing irregardless of how healthy your tea can be or how fruitful it can be you need to be able to market it like it needs to be there the fourth one sales marketing something doesn't mean selling something be able to push the sales this applies not only to people who want to open their tea but to every entrepreneur out there be able to make a sale sales matter sales sustain your business And then the last one, enjoy it. If you're going to get into the tea industry, be able to enjoy your tea because you will always have to encounter the people's taste buds, people's preferences. So if you don't enjoy 
the whole process, you won't be in a good space. If someone comes with different flavors, be like, yo, I'm game. It's like being a fan of football. Whatever team is playing, you watch instead of just watching your own team. So with tea, it should be the same thing, like enjoy it, like be the person who's always up and ready to just enjoy this premium tea or whatever tea you've developed just so it can sustain you. Thanks, Duncan. And I must be honest, I'm not a tea person, but Vusumzumokoyana from Vususana Robos Tea's enthusiasm definitely piques my interest and it's just always great to support and buy local. Now for our book of the week as chosen by farmers Wanted, Dead and Alive, The Case for South Africa's Cattle by Gregory Mtembo Salter. He takes us on a journey across the region to consider the role of cattle in our society. The author visits kraals in Zululand, feedlots in Gauteng, breeders and farmers in Eswatini and Namibia, and dairies in the Eastern and Western Cape to understand how people use and keep their cattle. Now, Carolyn Sampson, she's back with us again. She's the Head of Strategy and, and Sustainability at Access Bank, and she reviewed this book. In Wanted, Dead and Alive, The Case for South Africa's Cattle, Gregory Mtembu Salter takes us on a journey across the region to consider the role of cattle in our society. He visits crawls in Zululand, feedlots in Gauteng, breeders and farmers in Eswatini and Namibia, and dairies in the Eastern and Western Cape, to understand how people use and keep their cattle. Along the way, he meets politicians and academics, established and new generation farmers, and examines the various role players in the value chain. He discusses the question of land reform and assesses the role of cattle in global warming. With regard to cattle's contribution to climate change, he comes to the conclusion that the current farming methods are unsustainable and that we would have to consider how we rear cattle and, as consumers, probably reduce our demand for meat and dairy products. I enjoyed this short overview of the cattle sector, which contains many interviews and personal perspectives to convey the importance of these animals to us. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's yummy. It's good for you. And the whole family loves it. It's grain-filled chickens, proudly South African and mouth-wateringly delicious. Discover a world of tasty goodness and visit Grain-Filled Chickens for Ziri or like our Facebook page for more. Grain-Filled Chickens, a proud member of VKB. VKB, for the love of the land. Sounds like a must read and it's always great having you with us, Carolyn. Remember, if you'd like to review a book or perhaps suggest one that we should review, just email us on info at foodformzanzi.co.za. Now, before we let you go, we now share our farmer tip of the week from Binele Mutlaung, who turned a dumping site into a community garden in Sebokeng, Gauteng. He has a few tips of how you could possibly do this in your own community. My advice to communities that are experiencing hazardous health problems caused by a nearby dump site within their communities is to take action by doing a cleaning campaign of the dump site to turn it into a community food garden. It is no hidden fact that dump sites are many in low-income communities. This already means there are community members who do not have enough to sustain themselves due to lack of employment, especially now that we are facing the coronavirus pandemic. Their health is a priority. A dump site in this instance deviates the focus of the health priority. The dump site needs to be removed to allow agricultural growth in our communities, a market that is highly in demand in South Africa. 
a market that has opportunities from skills development to employment to community supporting one another. The food garden will help the community to be self-sustainable by using the land for food gardening. A food garden that can help feeding scheme initiatives to grow and assist beneficiaries who are from childhood families. This will deprive hunger of being one of the causes of our socioeconomic issues. This will eliminate poverty by broadening the community option to allow and produce better choices by giving relevant information. This will develop the community to grow in agricultural works to produce commercial farming. That will be one of the initiatives that will contribute to fighting unemployment. This will only be possible through the unity and strength of the community. And our Farmer Tip of the Week from Binela Mutlaong brings us to the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, and I promise you they definitely do, you can visit foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. And remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. And also remember that the Farmers Inside Track is available for free on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on foodformzanzi.co.za. But from me, Duncan Masiwa, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludov, Caroline Sampson and our producer, Megan van der Fendt and the rest of Team Food from Zanzi, have a great week. What joins a continent but its continuous flow over mountains, through rivers, in the rhythm of the land? What ignites its future but the promise to fulfill, to protect and grow the very life of tomorrow? African Blue Corteva Keep Growing You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track Podcast supported by Food Form Zanzi For more information find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za